episode three, What the Foot Do You Know? I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today you're hearing Dr. Dennis Timko perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Today's guest is a board-certified doctor of podiatry from St. Louis. He's a baseball fan, he's a fellow podcaster, and he offers some great advertising advice in the middle of the episode. And he forecasts the future of podiatry. And we have some striking similarities. I'll let you be surprised about what those are when you listen. Remember to stay tuned after the episode for the travel tip. Fair warning, his audio is different than my past guest. He had his own setup. It's a little loud and scratchy, but after a couple of minutes, you kind of get used to it and it doesn't, doesn't really bother you. So just want to give you a heads up. The quality is a little different than what we're used to. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain with Dr. Dennis Timko. Help me welcome to the show, Dr. Dennis Timko, doctor of podiatry. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's jump straight into this interview. What made you decide to do podiatry over any other specialty? Well, um, this is a common question amongst a lot of my patients, uh, so it's very easy to answer. Basically, uh, when I was in college, I was a runner, did a lot of running uh, on the side and collegiately. Um, I was a Division II cross-country run, runner and saw a lot of uh, foot injuries and dealt with them myself as well as with my teammates. And as I was thinking about what career I wanted to do, uh, being a physician was the way I wanted to go, but I didn't know exactly what physician I wanted to be. So uh, one summer, I had met another podiatrist um, who I'm now really close friends with and shadowed him a couple of summers uh, before I graduated and really enjoyed the type of practice he had. Um, so uh, there's no major call. Uh, there's no like you know emergency, life-threatening issues when it comes to the foot. Um, you don't see much cancer, or people dying. Um, so that, that was definitely a plus. Uh, but basically, that's how it all started. Well, that's a lot of people's story is they, they've experienced it firsthand and then investigating it. And I know I shadowed a lot of doctors before I chose mine. And that, that really helped concrete, you know, what's a, daily, what's a day-to-day look like, you know? Right, exactly. Now, what would someone, common conditions you might treat, why would someone go to you versus like an orthopedic or just a, a general medical doctor? Um, podiatry, uh, we are trained basically in podiatry school. Um, we don't go to medical school, but we go to podiatry school. I don't know if you remember the, uh, the episode in Seinfeld where Elaine would say, uh, I'm dating this, you know, doctor. And, uh, Jerry says, uh, well, uh, he's not a doctor. He's not a real doctor. He's a podiatrist. <laughs> He went to podiatry <laughs> school. Well, yes, I went to podiatry school, but we did learn a lot about podiatry and foot and ankle stuff. And 
So uh, to answer your question, uh, the difference between a podiatrist and an orthopedic that does foot and ankle, um, we specialize right away. Um, we don't waste much time in looking at shoulders and knees and, and hips. And we basically go two years in podiatry school learning about everything. We dissect the whole mm -hmm. body. And then in our third year, we kind of separate and kind of focus mostly on the foot and ankle. Um, I did go to the um, Iowa school, which is a DO school, and we did study with uh, the osteopaths. So the first two years, I was in the same classes as an osteopathic doctor, learned exactly what they learned. But then our third and fourth year, we would go and focus on the foot and ankle. And then after graduation, we go into our residency, which can, back in 2000, when I graduated, um, there was more residencies that were two-year programs, um, one mm -hmm. or two-year programs. Now they become pretty much standard three-year to four-year programs with fellowships. So the young, wow. the, yeah, the younger guys that are coming out from podiatry school are... I wouldn't say much more trained, but they're more focused on surgery than we were back 20 years ago. But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, if you go to a podiatrist, I think you're going to know that, feel confident that they're going to know exactly what you got going on in the foot and are going to know the up-to-date things that are happening in uh, foot and ankle surgery. Okay. Okay. So if you got a foot problem or an ankle problem, best bet is to see a doctor of podiatry before, before anywhere else because you guys have specialized in, just like we've specialized in the spine or an eye doctor, optometrist with the yeah, eye. Yeah, and I think you'll find a lot more podiatrists being a little more conservative uh, than an orthopedic. Um, and I th oh, that's good. And I think we'll get to that later in the uh, uh, interview here because uh, that's one of the things I feel that I'm a little bit ahead of the game where I think uh, we, we'll see a lot more um, physicians more into performing procedures uh, and less into more conservative measures. And I think I kind of stand out in that way. And I think a lot of patients really like that about me. I definitely would agree with that because you can't undo surgery. No, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, I was going to say, it kind of lead into the same question. So what is your specialty or what, what kind of specialties do they have in podiatry, I guess? And then what would you consider is yours? Um, there really isn't a specialty. I think uh, podiatrists will have a niche into something that they enjoy doing. Um, some of the things that a podiatrist might have a niche in is like wound care um, and diabetic foot care, uh, where you'll see a lot of diabetes um, patients that uh, high, very, have very high blood sugar levels um, and tend to cause damage to their nerves. Um, when the nerves get permanently damaged, uh, then you start having problems with neuropathy, and it can lead to pain. Um, it can lead to ulcerations, um, things that can cause infections uh, amputate mm. and lead to amputations. Um, and so we're kind of the preventative uh, measures as podiatrists to try to catch those potential problems before they happen and to save money to the insurance companies by avoiding, uh, you know, losing limbs and causing problems in the future. 
Very good. And do you have you niched down um, in more diabetes? Or? Um, I do a lot of diabetes. I do a lot of neuropathy, pain. Um, I've kind of come in the last few years uh, a niche for pediatrics, um, kids' feet and flat feet. Uh, there are um, some easy, simple ways to correct uh, kids before they um, fully develop uh, in the years of like four years old to about 12. And uh, if you can catch it in an early age, you can do some simple things to correct it so that they don't have problems later on in life. Wow. So like if their foot is flaring out or if they have flat feet already, you can do some inserts or Whatever. Correct, correct. Um, you, you, we always start out with, uh, you know, simple conservative things. And I basically talk to the family and, you know, they usually come and find us. Um, mm. uh, there's, here's a uh, story that I could tell you that recently happened was a, a, a girl about 10, 11 years old. Uh, the father uh, came and saw me and the way he found me was through my website. But uh, what happened was he had been through about four different doctors, um, uh, one DPM and about three orthopedic surgeons that didn't know what to do for his daughter. And his daughter was in severe pain. She actually was taken out of school because she had issues with um, activities and couldn't keep up with her classmates. And had problems with balance issues and was basically all related to her foot problem. Um, She had severely flat feet in both feet, uh, and she went to a podiatrist here in town that basically didn't want to do anything for her. He then uh, looked up some information and found uh, an orthopedic surgeon in Maryland. So we're talking from St. Louis, Missouri to... Baltimore, Maryland, which is a good two-hour flight, um, a, a lot of cost to, to him, and so he had to videotape his daughter, send it to this surgeon in Baltimore, who's a pretty well-known surgeon, has several books that I've re- read, um, and this, wow. this doctor basically said, oh yeah, I can help you, um, but before I help you, I'll send you to a guy local and have him try it first. Well, he went to the local guy here in St. Louis, another orthopedic, didn't want to do anything, just physical therapy, nothing helped. And so he Mm -hmm. was kind of stuck, was planning on going to Baltimore to have the surgery done and then come back for post-op care and go back and forth. And I'm thinking, that's crazy. So he ended up in the last minute Googling, you know, foot, flat foot in kids and happened to find one of my blogs about flat feet and kids and that I do a procedure that can help them and he found me and luckily called and came in and I've already done her one foot and now we already did the second foot and they're completely happy so it's one of those things that if you just know what you should do and you have experience in it then you can do it it's really simple that's amazing and what a headache for this family just down the street that's all they had to do but yeah. that i'm glad you're blogging you have a podcast yeah i mean that's got to help your seo as well yeah. to get your name out there yeah yeah i enjoy it just like you my do. goodness yeah I, I listened to a couple of your episodes and and one that stuck out to me was 
trimming toenails versus doing surgeries. And I mean, you could talk about it if you want, but the summary was I could see more patients, less liability, and make the same amount of money in the same amount of time. Yeah. Let me just clip some toes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, it's, it's those ingrown toenails and those infected paronychias, we call them, but uh, they're, they're infection toenails that come in, and, and it's like our bread and butter. Uh, and I always uh, make fun of people when, I, when they come in. I say, I could do this with my eyes closed, and they all go, no, please don't do that, doctor. <laughs> I'm like, well, I've done so many of them, and, and it's just one of those things you just... You just do all the time, and I become really good at it. And you make good money, and it takes you 10, 15 minutes. It's like, why wouldn't you do it? And you know it's going to work versus like a surgery that might take you an hour and a half. Um, and you're like, well, it might help you 50%. It might not. And you're getting like your, your, your pay is getting cut and cut and cut every year. And you have this global period with, with the surgery. So like after you do the surgery, you get this, you know, say $500 for the surgery, but that includes three months of post-op management. So oh. every time the patient comes in for a dressing change, um, for physical therapy, whatever, it's included in that surgical payment. So right, your hourly rate is dropping. Your hourly rate, yeah, it's dropping. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one more question about this. I'm curious if someone breaks their ankle or you know tears off some of the ligaments uh, from a sprain. Do we go to you to fix that, or is that more of an orthopedic surgeon? So we are foot and ankle. Um, we do have board certifications in both foot and ankle. Um, that's a mm-hmm. whole other explanation for that. But, but yeah, okay. I see a lot of ankle sprains. Um, I have done some fracture uh, treatment and uh, open reduction surgeries on um, fibula fractures and things like that. Wow. But um, it's not real common, especially in bigger cities because you have a lot of orthopedics and they kind of usually control the emergency rooms and so those usually come in the ERs and unless you're well known in the area and been there for so long you're probably not going to get those referrals Um, that makes sense but the few that I've gotten were from friends um, like an Achilles tendon rupture a buddy of mine was his friend who was uh, doing some karate and he must have kicked something a little too hard and ruptured his Achilles tendon. And so my friend said... It's a bad day. Yeah, yeah. So a <laughs> uh, fireman, a local fireman, and, and he was just doing his uh, activity, doing karate, and decided he wanted to rupture his Achilles tendon. So luckily, you know, my friend just said, hey, I got a buddy, and he came and saw me. But that doesn't happen, you know, too often. But When there's easier ways to take an extended time from work than rupturing your Achilles I mean yeah that's a that's a that's a six month uh time frame to heal something like that that's all oh we had a patient he was a volleyball player and he never really restored his his full motion from you know whatever procedure he had or however bad it was but you know he was disappointed in it because it kind of ended his volleyball career but um it's no joke yeah yeah it's not so what are Kind of double question right here. What are some common misconceptions about your profession? And do you guys have a lot of turf wars? Um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, some of the misconceptions, I believe, is, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people, especially the 
a geriatric world. They're, they're used to the uh, chiropodus, uh, the chiropodus we called uh, back in the early days uh, where we, you were just the toenail clippers. You know, you would come in and just trim the toenails, um, the nursing homes and things like that. So mm. things have really uh, changed and progressed uh, in our profession and we're more sur- surgeons than just you know doing the toenails. Although if you consider an insurance company and you, and you see somebody that has diabetes, we do trim their toenails or we call them debride their toenails. Mm-hmm. And that's a surgical code. So when you bill that, that's technically surgery. So I'll get some people complaining about their bill saying, that doctor performed surgery and he didn't do any surgery. He just trimmed my nails. Uh-huh. But on the insurance you know, form, they'll say surgery. You know? So you have to explain that to people sometimes so they don't understand. Right. But, but yeah, don't report I mean, me to the insurance board. Just, just right, ask me first. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we're not just nail treating doctors. I mean, like we, we we just talked about. I mean, we do surgery. We we take care of neuropathy and fractures and wound care and infections and cancer. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, skin cancers. I mean, I see people with uh, little black dot on their foot or underneath their toenail that might stand out and I'll say hmm we better biopsy this because this looks a little suspicious mm-hmm. and once in a while you might see one that's a you know precancerous lesion and you might have saved that person's life absolutely so yeah i i don't want to keep bringing it back to me but i remember this one patient cuz it was he had it right here on his right by his ear and it just looked shiny, and I was like, hmm, that doesn't look right. And sure enough, it was some kind of cancer. He got it removed within a couple of weeks, and it felt really good because you don't get to do it very often. And so when you do, it's like, all right, school was good. Yeah, I still remember. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, as far as the turf wars, I mean, they're, they're, you know, the orthopedics and, and some of the uh, uh, vascular doctors um, will send uh, patients and refer them out for, for uh, vascular uh, insufficiency or peripheral vascular disease. And, you know, they might have a bad toe that looks like it's almost gangrene. And you want to get that patient some more circulation to their leg, to their foot, and you'll send it out to this vascular surgeon. And sometimes those vascular surgeons, you'll never see the patient back again. And, um, you know, sometimes there's a little, you know, turf war going on with that, but not that often. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. Well, do you have any um, unique abilities or strategies or mindsets that set you apart from the other podiatrists out there? Um, I think I'm kind of well-rounded. I, I consider myself a, a conservative doctor and um, I have also been trained very well with a three-year surgical training. Um, but being on my own, uh, I've developed a lot of skills in billing, um, teaching residents, um, and I think my ability to communicate with patients. I, I don't let a patient leave my office until they know for sure that they can explain it back to me what their problem is. Uh, I see a lot of people go to doctors and they come back, and I think your um, pharmacist kind of mentioned this, where 
they didn't even know what kind of medicine that was prescribed to them and what it was. And, and I make sure that if I give them a medicine or if I tell them what their diagnosis is, I want to make sure they understand it in layman's terms. So I think that's one of my positive things about me that's different than most doctors. That's a huge skill to be able to communicate because half the time they leave and, like you said, they don't know what to tell their spouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess some of the other things is um, I'm pretty ahead of the game when it comes to electronic records um, technology. As, as you know, we're doing a podcast, and, and uh, I, I don't know any other of my uh, podiatric uh, colleagues that are doing podcasts in my area. Um, uh, YouTube videos and things like that, social media. Um, I'm pretty ahead of the game when it comes to technology. So, smart. Uh, then maybe like one other thing is um, my conservative measures. Uh, I'm kind of expanding my knowledge about like herbal medicines and vitamin therapies. And so to add to my conservative treatments, I've started this uh, wellness program where I actually have an RN, a wonderful lady that works for me, um, that can draw some blood for me. And so we started doing some wellness program to, uh, to, to find out some more information about the patients, more than just, you know, your CBC and, and blood levels and stuff. We're actually right. looking at um, thyroid levels and... Um, uh, vitamin D levels and and how that might uh, vitamin B uh, might affect the nerves and and with especially with diabetics. That could be uh, huge, hugely beneficial for your patients. Yes, yes, it is, and it's all like a one-stop shop. So they're they're there. We could do it right at the office, so it makes it convenient for the patient. And it seems like a lot of times you just have to offer a service. If they're already here for one thing, you offer it, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't know you did that." You're like. I do. So take advantage yeah. of it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're going to switch gears just a little bit here. Uh, talking about like other doctors and students. If a doctor's struggling or just starting out, what are like some practical steps to get where you are today in your business? Um, well, just like we spoke before, uh, mm-hmm. invest in a good electronic record system, um, whether it's a free one or one that you have to pay. Make sure you do your homework and start out with a good system that's simple, that gets uh, the job done, and doesn't take too much of your time. Um, Real quick on that. One. Yeah, yeah, which one do you use? Um, the one I use is called Dr. Chrono. Um, the reason why I like it is I'm more of a, a Mac um, kind of guy, and it utilizes your iPhone and iPad uh, very conveniently and effectively. Um, it has a wonderful connection with a speech-to-text um, option right from my phone. So I really, uh, unfortunately, have my phone almost all the time. My wife actually gets really uh, upset at me because I'm always carrying my phone around. Mm-hmm. But I always tell her it's for work. It, it really is for work. I'm not playing on Facebook or anything. Right. But, um, I'm I'm, I'm actually working. Um, Which is probably uh, its own issue, too. Right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, but the, the other thing is, for, for a younger person coming out, um, learn social media and learn how to um, get yourself out there. 
um, as far as getting people to know who you are. Um, that would be another thing. Uh, build a good website and, and learn like WordPress. Uh, very simple, it's not hard to do. Don't hire somebody for $2,000. You could save a lot of money and do it yourself very simply. And the last thing I would say is uh, location, location, location. Um, do your homework and find a good place uh, where you can set up a, a little office and, and look into some of the hospitals, maybe the smaller hospitals, and make sure there's no um, doctor that uh, in your profession that actually isn't employed by that hospital. And if there's not, um, look at possibly renting space, uh, subleasing from a hospital, because you'll get some good referrals that way. What kind of square footage does a podiatrist need? Um, I'd say um, right now I have only about uh, 600, 700 square foot, which is really That's small. That's it? Wow. I, uh, I downgraded. Um, I had about 1,500. Um, I had two or three rooms, and I felt like I just had a lot too much space. Um, so now I kind of like to spend more time with my patients, and I just do one at a time. So I have one room. I have an X-ray room. I have a room for my for for me just to do my notes and and dictate and everything, um, and then I have a room for my office staff. So really simple, really. That's all you need. Just need an X-ray, a treatment room, a waiting room, and a room for yourself, and and that's really all you need. Okay. Now, when you mentioned location, what kind of um, what's maybe top two things that you're looking for? as a podiatrist when you're looking at location, can you be in a six-story building or do you want like uh, what they call the storefronts in a shopping center or? You know, that's a good question. Um, if you're in a big town, uh, a bigger city, um, having that front with, with a sign where people are coming by, excuse me, is, is not a bad idea, um, but it costs a lot more money. Yes. Um, I, I honestly think that the best doctors are the ones that don't spend a lot for uh, advertising. Um, they're kind of hidden, but the reason why they're so good is because uh, people know about them and uh, they get a lot of referrals just from uh, word of mouth. Um, the doctor that trained me, I mean, he's been in business for over 30 years, but he doesn't advertise, he doesn't even have a website. Oh my. Um, and he is doing very well for himself. So, um, but, you know, when you're young and just starting, you can't do that. Right. What, what would be a couple of um, good referral strategies? Do you have those in your office, like dedicated, this is what we do to try to encourage referrals from people? Um, I just, you know, basically tell them when I'm done with that, uh, that patient is, you know, you just kind of have to tell your patient, you know, send, send me a friend, you know, um, you know, I'm here. If you do know, you know, ask your patient, do you know anybody that has a foot problem? Um, and you know, a lot of times they're like, oh, I didn't even realize, you know, yeah, my one friend does, did mention something about his foot. I'll let him know. I mean, that's probably one thing I try to remember is try to get your own patients to tell other people. So, but I really don't have uh, any specific way to get patients in. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. How do you hire good staff? What, what makes them good? Have a wife that's in the HR department world. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
my Check. wife actually works. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, luckily my wife uh, works in the HR uh, department in her company, and uh, whenever I need somebody, uh, she kind of helps me with the interviewing process. <laughs> <laughs> Do you so, train your own staff? I do. I train my own staff. Um, I was, you know, again, I had the luxury of finding a wonderful lady just recently for the last couple of years, and and she's an RN, and uh, she's been been great. Uh, so uh, sometimes, you know, I've been through about, you know, probably three or four other people before her, but you know, sometimes you just have to try and try until you get it right. Are you guys allowed to have PAs or? NPs work underneath you, or is that just for medical doctors? Um, we have MAs, uh, MAs medical okay. assistants, um, but I don't know very many podiatrists that have like a PA or a nurse practitioner um, working for them. Uh, okay. That'd be pretty expensive, I would think, to have that. Um, but but an MA is definitely a necessary part of uh, of a practice if you want to really get busy. Yeah. Okay. What, what type of five or 10 year goals do you have and how do you know if they're worthy of your pursuit? Um, okay. That's a good question. Uh, um, I thought about that really a lot and actually it helped me thinking about that question. Um, uh, five years, uh, I am currently uh, board certified foot and ankle, but it's kind of an offshoot company. Um, and uh, I'm actually in the process of getting double board certified with a, a newer company. So uh, in, within uh, this year, I'll be double certified in uh, surgery. Um, I also looked into wound care and getting certified as a wound care uh, physician. Mm-hmm. Um, probably hire an MA, uh, like we just talked about. Um, move to a bigger office (laughs) and and get a nicer office that I really like Um, and then get more involved in in this plant-based nutrition and herbal supplements. Um, I just kind of started that and I'm just starting in that learning process of learning more about it. Um, My wife and I are currently mostly vegetarians. We eat a little fish, but we're trying to um, be a little bit healthier with juicing and and making smoothies and things like that. So I'm kind of like trying to help my own patients um, in that kind of uh, world to help them with their uh, foot problems. And uh, a last funny thing is uh, uh, probably within the next five years is to drive a a Tesla. (laughs) Oh, which one is your favorite? Um, uh, probably the X model, but, uh, um, it's probably a little out of my price range, but it's a very cool car. If you've ever driven one, I, I did have the luxury of test driving one, uh, last month. And oh. I don't think I, I, I can like any other car now, <laughs> unfortunately. I was driving, uh, not driving. I was riding in a car in China and they, I mean, you see Maseratis and Ferraris and things. And I saw a Tesla and I was like, telling my wife, I was like, that's a Tesla. And she didn't even know. And I was like, it's an awesome car. Just trust me. I can't believe they're driving one here. I don't know where they plug it in. (laughs) Yeah, it it, it really is. It's an incredible idea. Um, uh, My next house is probably going to have solar panels on it. And and I'll buy one of their big Tesla batteries. And and, uh, I'll never have to pay for energy again. (laughs) That's right. My parents put that on a... Uh, one of their patios when they were giving all this money away from the, with the federal government, I think they cut their bill to, I mean, 50 bucks. 
It's normally yeah. like 300 to 350. So it, it obviously works. Yeah, it's the future. I, I truly believe in it. So that's my five-year model. Uh, you asked me what my 10-year model was. Um, probably uh, to unplug myself from all this uh, daily uh, phone and, and computers and stuff and kind of like simplify my life, I guess. Um, I think uh, we have a, a little bit of a problem uh, in the world today with all this technology, and I think some of it needs to be kind of eased back a little bit. Um, especially with, you know, kids these days with attention deficit disorder and things like that. So my, my thing is, I think in 10 years, I'm trying to kind of cut back a little bit. Um, you know, I have a three-year-old, uh, almost four, and I want to teach him some baseball. I'm a big baseball fan. Um, save for retirement, um, teach, maybe, uh, possibly look into teaching, um, and read, read more books. <laughs> that would okay. be probably my my thing for the 10 years very good some admirable goals there <laughs> well, where do you see your health your profession going in the next five years um hmm, you kind of touched one. on it earlier because these kids are coming out with a three or four year residency yeah. which you only had to do two maybe yeah um you know that's a good question because uh i think things are changing a lot in the world of medicine um there's a thing now with uh, Medicare and the government, um, they're kind of enforcing this uh, uh, where we have to now go from a procedure-based income to more of a preventative kind of thing. And the government is trying to um, in, in incentive, in, give us incentives or penalize us if we don't follow those rules. Right. So... Um, they're, they're starting actually this year, January 1st, it's called MACRA, um, and MACRA, M-A-C-R-A, is their way of trying to penalize or give us money for following their rules, and so that they don't have to spend as much money. So it's more quality care than mm -hmm. quantity. Um, and so I think in the future, this could be a problem with... Uh, doctors that do a lot of procedures um, mm -hmm. we're going to make less money the more procedures you do um, and you do more preventative stuff and you do quality care you'll you'll make more money um, so that's kind of what scares me and the other thing is um, you know uh, in my profession uh, associates uh, if you look at the numbers it's been about an eight percent drop in the pay for an associate over the last two years um, that's so a lot financially things have kind of dropped um, over the last few years so I think with solo practice um, there's going to be a lot more super groups and hospital groups mm -hmm. um, forming and I think our future is more uh, you're not going to be a solo practice guy you're going to be in a big group because you're going to have to share the overhead um, it's too expensive now uh, do you like to, that or not I don't know if I like it, but I think it's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, 
but uh, we're trying to, I mean, I've been in practice 13 years and I can't see myself actually working for somebody without actually having some kind of say in the business or at least helping grow the business somehow, um, not just being an employee and just, you know, coming and getting a paycheck every week, every couple weeks. Um, I have a lot to offer and I feel that that's what I would do. But yeah, it, it's going to be a rough next five to ten years but we'll see okay i'd encourage you listen to the dermatology episode because he um he discusses sometimes of the how the hospitals pay employees versus kind of like a productivity versus a salary the rvus yeah the rvus so the busier you are the more money you make and you know the world's your oyster i guess yeah yeah okay anything else on that um, no, I think, I think we hit it all pretty much. Okay. Well, then we are going to switch gears to a little more personal. Okay? okay. All right. So Dr. Nimco, you're a solo doctor. How much vacation do you take? And is there a way to take more? Um, Well, we just talked about that, my wife and I, uh, recently. And actually, in 2016, I think we took a total of five days off. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Yeah, last year was was a busy year for us. um, And things financially were a lot better. um, But uh, we didn't take much time off. I think we went to Chicago on a a trip for about three days. um, Was it business? (laughs) <laughs> continue well, that trip <laughs> well we stayed at trump hotel which we won't tell anybody but <laughs> we did stay at the hotel hey, he makes we some nice hotels <laughs> yeah. um but uh we won't stay there again we don't want to get shot or anything oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but no i i think uh it's important to take some time off um we are planning some trips in the near future here shortly, but, but, uh, but it is tough uh, being a solo practice doctor to take time off because if you're by yourself and you don't have anybody covering for you, um, you're not making money. Um, you have a staff that's there that you're paying them you know, for their time mm-hmm. even though you're gone. Uh, you're still paying rent. You're still paying your malpractice. You're still paying you know, everything else. Um, but you're not working, so you're not making money. So, yeah, you got to spend double for the vacation. Yeah. Do you guys have a uh, cover docs? No. Um, you know, I've helped out a couple doctors here in town because they know me. I I did my residency here, and I have a lot of. Uh, well-known colleagues that know me and mm-hmm. trust me. So sometimes I've covered for them. Um, but my practice is kind of in a rural uh, town, so there's only two podiatrists in, in that town. Um, so it's, it, it's not too hard to, to leave. Um, my, my wife is actually from Europe, so um, we've gone um, to her country in Bosnia a couple of times, and I've taken about 10 days uh, off a couple of years ago and, and it's okay. I mean, it, it yeah. doesn't suffer too bad. Yeah. 10 in a row. That's pretty difficult because typically you will have that month lag when you come back to build it back up. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to take some time off. That's another thing. A, a younger person coming out, you could, you got to have a vacation. You got to recharge your batteries and, and uh, otherwise you'll burn out. 
Do you work four day weeks, five day weeks, six days weeks? Um, I used to work Saturdays, but not anymore. Um, now it's pretty much a five-day week. Um, I work part-time for uh, another doctor on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work a, a couple days for them, and then I work you know, two, three days for myself. And you know, trying to find time for surgeries and fit those in, um, you kind of have to have a block, uh, uh, like one day every couple of weeks to find time to put your surgeries in okay um i don't do a lot of uh hospital work so i don't get a lot of calls like out of the blue so i pretty much have a standard routine very good what uh what preoccupies your mind besides your profession kids any hobbies volunteering baseball baseball which team uh, well, I'm from the East Coast, so I'm a big Yankees fan. Okay. Um, but but anything baseball related, um, I'm big into like that fantasy sports uh, and stats. Yeah. Um, I like numbers, so I, I'll sit there and 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 study um, all kinds of crazy stats you probably never even heard of, and to try to I guess it's kind of like the stocks, you know, mm-hmm. the players go up and down, up and down, and you gotta catch them when they're down buy them when they're cheap and sell them when they're high kind of thing so yeah. you kind of have to know what's going on when when you do that but it's kind of my hobby i think uh, uh another hobby is um is a uh, video uh uh doing some video uh, videography okay um i've uh, my office manager got married a year ago and i offered i said hey i'll, I'll video your wedding and she's like oh yeah 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 do it so i did it and did a pretty decent job i thought and everybody seems to think that i should do that on the side um because i enjoy it so much um so that's another hobby i think i've i've done a few videos of us going to bosnia and and uh my my kid growing up and kind of make a little fun little intro and stuff like that with music in the background that's awesome (laughs) Well, and there's ways yeah. to monetize that as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually had a video of me doing an ingrown toenail. Um, a patient, a uh, young kid, I think he was in the military, came in and, and said, do you mind if I video that? And I said, <laughs> yeah, no problem. I said, you could video it, but you need to sign this form to <laughs> let me use it on, on YouTube or something. And uh-huh. he says, oh, no problem, no problem. So he, he signed the release, and, and so I did this little blog and, and, and video on YouTube, and I called it Five Simple Steps on How to Remove an Ingrown Toenail. And so I'm like, so I put it up on there a couple of years ago, and it got so many hits. Really? I mean, it was in the thou- I, It was my most popular video. And I was thinking to myself, hmm, it's probably not a good idea because now all my competition, all those primary care doctors that normally would send me patients to do that procedure are probably doing it, watching my video, and now they know how to do it. So I took it down. Uh, thanks, Dennis. Hey. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, there's people love to watch like pimples getting popped and like abscesses being drained, and it's, it's really gross, but it, there's such a right. market for it. Ooh. Right, right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, you have a wife, you have a three or four year old. Yep. How, how do you keep a home and work life balance? 
And I know you, you already mentioned your wife says, uh, put the phone down. So what do you do? What are some practical steps to, uh, to, to realize this balance? Oh, you know, that's, that's an ongoing um, issue here at the Timco home. Uh, <laughs> um, with being on my own and now 13 years in practice, um, it, it's tough. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but uh, the thing is, is that you just have to realize that uh, work is just work. Um, you know, your true, uh, the people at home are the people that truly love you and, and are meant to be with you. And, you know, even if work didn't do well and I lost all my money, my wife and my kid would still be there. Um, so you have to find ways to, to balance the home life. Um, and uh, but it, it is a constant battle. Um, I'm kind of a workaholic. Uh, I, I like doing the videos. I like doing the podcasting. And and it's kind of like the wife's like, hey, aren't you you know gonna are we gonna have a day date or do something? And and we don't have any family um, here in town. All my family's on the East Coast. All her family is back in Europe. Um, so we kind of struggle with, you know, babysitters and mm -hmm. people to watch our kid now. And so we have to really, uh, you know, find ways to adjust to that. Um, our kid goes to daycare, and so we'll do a day date instead of a night date. So that things works. like that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I have a question for that then. Do you guys set up time to discuss how to, you know, for the month or for the week, how we're going to spend time together? What are we going to do to develop our relationship and spend time with the kids? Do y'all have any kind of concrete plans like that? Um, we don't. <laughs> we're working on it. Okay. okay. It's in process. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And like I mentioned uh, when I invited you, part of the podcast is to, to develop the personal side of, of life, not just the business. So I appreciate yeah. your, your honesty and your openness during these questions. Yeah. We, we have, the, we have, an, uh, my in-laws are b such beautiful people. Um, they don't speak English, um, but uh, they will, you know, we'll fly them in for six months at a time and um, they'll come and help us out. Um, they're actually here now um, helping us until March. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of, I, I feel kind of relaxed now. Um, I don't have to always put my kid to bed or, you know, do something. I can kind of focus on the job and work, and then my wife and I can go do things together. So that's kind of a nice thing. And we've, and, you know, until they get too old, they can't do that, but they're kind of been helping us for the last uh, couple of years. Wow, that's amazing. Do you speak uh, Bosnian? I know a few words. Okay. I know a few words. Yeah. Stoma. That's uh, what's up. You know. <laughs> and then they answer and you just look at your wife like, what'd she say? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I can kind of get by. Um, okay. And I'm getting better and better. Actually, my son's three and a half and he's actually communicating, uh, speaking Bosnian now. So he, he, he's doing very well. So. See, I didn't know that. You know, my wife is Chinese and... I don't speak much Chinese, but they'll come hang out with us for a couple of months and then leave. And so how are, yeah. and that kind of bridges into the next question. You've got this international relationship. How do you um, keep the love alive and feel connected? Are there certain cultural things that you've had to learn that she appreciates more than say an American woman? 
Um, I think they're more loyal. Um, uh, I guess to get a little personal, um, I have been married before uh, to an American woman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we didn't have any children, but um, the divorce was really simple, so it wasn't a bad thing. But um, I, I could see the differences between the cultures, Americanized and, and, and Europeans, and they tend to be more uh, family um, and loyal people, very more closer niche people, and they live very simple life lifestyles. I've I've now been to Bosnia um, two times now, and um, and actually three times, and uh, it's it. I almost want to retire there. Actually, we've talked about retiring there, mm-hmm. um, and and the money is much cheaper, you know, so I can uh, sit at the coffee shop all day. I always joke to my wife, I could sit at the coffee shop all day for 50 cents a coffee instead <laughs> of going to Starbucks for four bucks a coffee. Hello. And, uh, <laughs> you, know, you, can, yeah, <laughs> you can sit there and sip your coffee all day and that's what they do. You know, they relax and more, you know, more of an easygoing atmosphere and beauty. I mean, just the beauty of the environment and the mountains and the rivers and it's just, Ooh. it's just a wonderful area. Could you work there? I'd have to learn the language and be more fluent. Um, but I, I could go to Croatia, which is just uh, a little north mm-hmm. of Bosnia. And Croatia is a little more Americanized. Um, and, and most of the younger crowd speaks Eng- English. Um, uh, so, so I could possibly work there, but it's a little more expensive to live there. Okay. You know, here, the company pays for a translator for me, which... It's kind of one of those, the way they pay us, even if they didn't, we could afford to do it on our own because of the wage difference between what we make versus what they make. So, oh, it's, wow. yeah, yeah, it's really convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it seems, seems neat. I'm trying to convince my wife, like, let's get somebody to clean our house. <laughs> we, can, we can pay them and then we can spend more time together and not worry about having to clean our own toilets and, and the floors and everything. Just, yeah. Let's outsource I, that. I, I've mentioned that to my wife many, many times because she, she wants to always constantly clean. And, and I said, you know what? If it just helps our relationship and, and being at home, we can spend less time cleaning and get somebody to clean for us. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've got a couple more questions and we'll wrap up, okay? All right. Do you have a morning or a lunch routine that grounds you or excites you for the rest of the day? Oh... You know, I have, uh, you know, several, two offices, and one office is about 40-minute drive uh, each way. Um, I do a lot of, you know, listening to podcasts uh, on my route to work. Um, so, uh, you know, listening to certain podcasts is, I guess, my way, and, and driving is my relaxation. So I don't really have, like, a, an actual routine, but that's pretty much what I do um, on a daily basis. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good because the next question is, do you have any podcasts, books, or blogs that you secretly like yeah. and stuff that you would well, recommend for everybody? A matter of fact, I do. <laughs> um, the, uh, being in technology, I don't know if you've heard of that Leo Laporte, um, the tech guy. Ask Leo? Listen to him. Ask Leo, yeah. And he looks like he's stuck um, yeah. in the 70s with his beard or something? Kind of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I got his email yeah. list. Yeah, he, um, he has a really uh, good podcast, and doing it 
and you do the, the, the webinars on there and you learn, um, it's definitely worth it. It's really helped me you know, build my website, learn how to do the videos and things like that. So well, you, you got all these gurus charging you one ninety nine and two ninety seven to learn something. So twenty five bucks is is a bargain if you actually implement bargain. it. Yeah, you got to push yourself to it and sit at your computer and put your headphones on and, and get all the other distractions away. Well, that completely reminded me of the question I had when you're talking about. Uh, you mentioned students doing their own WordPress site. Um, do you have a special theme that you like? And do you have any podcasts that are how to do WordPress, how to do find the plugins? Do you have anything like that for our audience? Um, no, I just kind of go on the whim. I mean, uh, I've changed my website twice mm-hmm. um, since I've been in practice. Um, it's always good to, to refresh your, your site every few years. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother actually uh, is into uh, that world of, of computers, and uh, he actually hosts my website, so it's kind of nice that I have a brother that's kind enough to do that for me. Yeah. Um, so I've never had to pay... Um, directly to somebody i mean i help my brother out as much as i can um so um but as far as uh as as far as the website design um i I just kind of look around and see which ones i like and change it up um but yeah it's probably due for a, a rebuild soon here okay well i saw your logo that was pretty slick i like that yeah yeah thanks yeah good job well anything any closing remarks no, I mean, uh, I'm glad you had me on today, and um, I enjoyed it. It really helped me think about my practice a little bit more. Well, um, fantastic. But uh, it's glad to meet you. Um, Same. It's been really good. So and I hope keep many, many blessings keep for, the, for this next year in practice, too. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, I think things are going to be uh, positive going forward in 2017 for sure. Absolutely. Show notes for this episode are at doctorsperspective.net slash zero three. Thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Timko. I think people can critically think about what you had to say and apply it to their practices, whether that's WordPress sites challenging you to find ways to spend more time unplugged with your family and the how and why you would refer to podiatrists. I appreciate you listening. Stay tuned for the travel tip. I almost forgot. I am putting the final touches on a free ebook that I want to give to you guys and gals. Please go to doctorsperspective.net, top, side, the bottom. There's all kinds of places where you can sign up. Put your email and your name for updates. Once the book is complete, I will send you a email and then you can download it. It is going to be my secret hacks about health, weight loss, strengthening the spine, different things like that. It's very actionable. It's implementable. It's not only can you use it, but also your patients. So go on over to a doctorsperspective.net, sign up, and you'll be the first to know when that ebook is ready for downloads. I am quite active on social media, and the easiest way to connect is to head over to a doctorsperspective.net. Look at the top right, and you will see all the social media icons. Just pick your flavor and friend me. I found out in practice that people can hardly pronounce Trosclare, much less spell it. Because of that, and username lack of availability, I have a mix of my name and Cajun Cairo. I'm from South Louisiana, aka Cajun Country. I am a Cajun. I am a chiropractor. 
Cajun Cairo. You will find travel photos, updates, fun comments, etc. Connect, comment, and I'll respond back. Going to another country and English is not the standard language. Do yourself a favor, download the Google Translate app, find the language that they speak, and download that as well to your phone. That way, if you don't have internet, you'll still be able to use it. Remember, these translation apps are not perfect. You need to write small sentences like, the chair is brown. Where is the bathroom? Don't ask these long, you know, 10th grade level questions. Keep it simple, like you're talking to a two-year-old, and you may just get a decent enough translation to be understood. Now, what will they say back to you? I mean, that's tough, but some people will be nice enough. If you hand them your phone, they, they might actually type. It'll be a little confused, but they could type and then, you know, give you a, a really good answer. So that is your tip for today. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on adoctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.